Okay, good morning, for real. <laughs> Welcome to the Word and Journey podcast, uh, where we have microphones that work, and we read stories that shape us and make us think. So if anybody was paying attention to the live stream, so you can ignore the last one, that didn't work. <laughs> but we have now overcome our technical difficulties, and now I'm back on the stream with Stephanie Bennett, live from Iowa, and... Did you say 20 inches of snow and freezing rain? Yes, yes. Uh, oh. 20 inches of snow and freezing rain. Oh. Uh, it's it's kind of awful. Yeah. <laughs> but also beautiful. Well, way to, way to look on the bright side. How very Christian <laughs> of you. <laughs> yeah. I prefer the snow you to like the, snow. the really hot, humid summer days. So this is like my time. <laughs> Uh, that is, that is, that is a beautiful approach to it. I I definitely am still a, a desert boy at heart, and and I love the summers. And I, I yeah, I, I I like being hot. Um, when it gets really cold like this, I just feel like I'm like holding my holding my breath until the wind stops and the temperature comes up again. But oh, no, yes. I love a good a good long sleeve jacket, some some blankets. It's so nice. Yeah, watching the snow fall. There is <clears throat> there is something very magical about that, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, here we are once again. We are uh, reading the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, uh, written in the 40s, 1940s. Yep. And, uh, and it's this imaginative sort of fictional account of... Uh, it's this correspondence between two demons as they endeavor to destroy a human soul. And uh, along the way, there's some perspective for the human. We, we're getting this insider perspective on how they're working. Uh, I, mean, I would guess the ideas we're supposed to like learn from it and uh, not be so vulnerable to their wily ways. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so we definitely will comment on some of the the, the content of the letters. Um, but we did want to take a few minutes and talk a little bit about the book itself and, and some of the structural points. Uh, so, and this is kind of fun because we, we both do writing and editing in, mm -hmm. in some fashion. So I'd be curious from, from your perspective, Stephanie, having mm -hmm. now edited some books and, and dabbled in that and you're, uh, mm -hmm. you've built a good, a good practice and a good career there. Um, more than dabbling, much more than dabbling. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I do this for work. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's your profession. It's a uh, year long project. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but from your perspective, I mean, what are some of your thoughts, observations, just on structure, genre, and some of how Lewis put this together? So I really like the structure that he used because of the letter format. Like you don't see that very often, where you know there's just you have one person that's writing to someone who we don't ever meet and you still find out so much about the other person. You know, we learned so much about Wormwood just in these little, little notes from screw tape. But I just think it's, it's fascinating the way he puts so much into it and it's these short little letters. And it reminds me a lot actually of, what is it? The Princess Bride, actually. The book. I don't know if you've ever read that one. I've never read the book. Oh, the book is so good because you have uh, a writer who is pretending like he gathered all this history and went through a book and like shortened it all up. So it's it's the same type of thing where you have 
you know, this is these are all fake letters. Um, but he's you know, he's he's making it up and playing it off like these are real. And it's the same thing in The Princess Bride. It's a really good book. I highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. the movie is good. The book is even better. And yeah. the whole time you're reading it, you're like, wait, is this like what what parts of this is real and what parts of it isn't? Oh, that sounds really fun. I, I I enjoy those stories where where the the lines get blurred or mm-hmm. reality gets blurred a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I I have to admit, I, I it was only I think last year or so that I learned that there was a book for the Princess Bride. So that that, that elevated the whole work <laughs> quite quite a bit for me at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, a very very different thing. So when I read a book by well, some of uh, Jonathan Safran Foer's uh, older work. Uh, everything is illuminated, extremely loud, incredibly close. Uh, the, those two novels, mm-hmm. they're um, they're um, they're the they're the type of stories where you start off with one character falling in love with one character, um, mm-hmm. but but there's these interwoven stories, and and some sometimes the perspective lines get blurred a little bit, and then mm-hmm. uh, he does this thing where you think it's about the one character, and then it turns out oh it's actually the other character is the main character. And and it's all about that, and it's this fun switch that happens yeah. uh, mid midway through, and and you just you, you love it so much. But uh, I, I what I what I've been appreciating about this is <clears throat> uh, it's kind of that same thing. Like we never we never actually meet Wormwood or hear his responses, uh, and and yet he he does end up being this very uh, he, he's this very real character, pretty 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 fleshed out. And that's reminding me that the I think the human mind maybe it's the the human mind's capacity for for making patterns out of things we we infer a lot and we can fill mm-hmm. in a lot of gaps. Yeah, it's yeah. the whole show versus tell thing that we talk about a lot in, yeah. in editing. You don't have to tell the reader everything. You can use little things that just show hints, and it's yeah. enough. Yeah. One of my best friends, and who's also one of my writing mentors too, uh, he's 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 always telling me about about dialogue to remember, especially when it's like dialogue between characters who have known mm-hmm. each other for a long time, or especially a dialogue that they've had in various forms many times already. Uh, to you kind kind of in a sense like play the pauses or kind of recognize. So what do they not need to say anymore because they already know it, uh, and and what are just like like the, the very barest like high beats of it. And and I I kind of get I think I conceptually get what he's saying and it's really brilliant um, and so I'm so I'm aiming to pull it off but but it but it's built on this idea that um, people can make these connections in between things and so there's kind of a way uh, for me as a writer it's like I I I can get away with writing less which I, mm-hmm. I probably should my my works tend to run <laughs> exceedingly long so anyway yeah there's. There's so many, especially in dialogue, there's so many places where you can cut things out. You don't necessarily need the dialogue tag. You know, the he said, she said, it's more of, well, what is what else is happening at the time? You know, are they walking? Are they, you know, is is somebody frustrated? How can you show that instead of just being like, oh, she said angrily, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. so much you can do. There's so much you can do. Yeah. Um, so, so, so my other thought, um, and and maybe we can come back to this one like even more uh, when for you know next time when we finish this. Um, but uh, so thinking, you know, Christian books about demons. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's a part of me that's uh and i don't think this is at all a fair comparison but i'm comparing this a little bit to like some of the old frank peretti novels from from the 90s like uh -huh. way from deep within the bastions of mm -hmm. like conservative homeschool christianity you know focus on the family yeah. that genre like <laughs> i my my i didn't read a lot of frank peretti but i read a lot of ted decker oh okay so they yeah. were like they did some together some work together yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah which i mean this is very clearly a different genre oh for sure story altogether. Mm -hmm. um but but i'm wondering about this uh this literary move of stepping into the the, the demon's perspective um mm -hmm. i'm curious well so as evidenced by the fact that we're that i initiated hey let's read the story <laughs> i i find some value in in, in this crusade letters but mm -hmm. um but but more broadly speaking it does kind of bring up the, this question of like well like i mean what is the value of a story from the perspective of the other side mm -hmm. uh, uh which i, I don't know I'm, what, what are some of your thoughts well i you know i think a lot of times we especially in the christian community it's it's Christians talking to Christians, you know, you're always getting it from one angle. And I think one of the most valuable books in the Bible is Job, where you get to see a little bit of the other side, you know, you see um, Satan going to God and talking, you know, and saying, hey, this Job guy, if you do this, you know, he'll curse you, right? And that's one of the most valuable pictures for us, because it's, it's making it real. But in a way that's not just not just creepy or horror. Like that's what you see with Ted Decker and Frank Peretti is like kind of the horror aspect of it. But with this, it's it's you're seeing the calculating and all the the purpose and like how something really simple, like, you know, I think at one point it's it's talking about how like falling in love, you know, it could be used by either the enemy or the demons, you know. It it's something just so simple if it's tweaked a certain way can be really effective and i almost think that that's it's a whole different kind of horror you know yeah there there's a way something can be horrifying without being scary mm -hmm. like you can get a sense for like oh wow like they are really are this insidious or they really are like this active in our lives and mm -hmm. like uh that that you know conceptually that that's like a horrifying thing even if, even without any of the grotesquery and, and i think that is uh, literally quite clever mm -hmm. um i would say uh, as i'm thinking about this i suppose a uh a hazard or a risk factor and one reason like this sort of thing might not be for everyone is <clears throat> um so so listeners of my show who also listen to the lord of spirits podcast will understand what i mean by we don't know what it's like to be a bat uh but uh we might fall into an error when we think that we can conceptualize how the demons and the angels work mm -hmm. um because they they're, they're they're not like us so they're not going to work in, in human terms uh mm -hmm. you know you read a you know this present darkness and there's this like whole adventure hierarchy and internal politics or whatever that are very much like the mafia like the human mm -hmm. mafia and it's it's entertaining but but it's very much anthropomorphizing spirits and in a similar way i mean even even lewis does this a little bit i mean when he's talking about like the demon school and the demon hierarchy and like they're mm -hmm. i mean he's he's 
he's he's he's he's bringing the demons into the human world and into human language into human concept and there's a certain extent at which that doesn't work because we don't know what it's like to be a demon we don't know what it's like to be an angel we don't know what it's like to be a spirit um and so we i guess one could make the error of saying well this is how hell works is they there's this guy named slub glob and he's a bad teacher <laughs> and whatever whatever um and you know the, the sort of book is is really valuable when properly understood as it's imaginative it's speculative mm -hmm. and in a sense like the demons become kind of a frame to bring out here some other spiritual truths and some good ideas about christian practice and so i would say i i would think if, if one can hold that in mind pretty well then it's really useful and entertaining and a little shocking sometimes too um, mm -hmm. but it's you know this isn't evidence-based people <laughs> it's not yeah. a not a history book not a science book mm -hmm. not a not a not a documentary yes that's actually something with like all the movies and like tv shows that have to do with like biblical stories and stuff that's something that i think we so easily you know forget like you watch the chosen or whatever and you make like these connections oh this happened in the bible but it didn't because we're imagining, you know, we're taking what we know and we're putting, you know, putting it in real life to try to imagine what it was like. But we don't know. And I think it's really you have to be really careful with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Have to be really careful. Yeah. The I mean, especially the gospel stories. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, any of the biblical stories, really. But you could say, uh, I mean, I've heard the language of like these stories have been like condensed, compressed into like their absolute simplest form mm -hmm. uh, because it needs to translate thousands of years and yep. you know hundreds of miles of, of, of culture uh and still have a recognizable truth in it mm -hmm. and so so they necessarily have to be really simple and lots of details that we you know lots of details that make something like you know the marvel movies really fun are just missing because uh it, 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 it there's a very specific function of these stories mm -hmm. and they have to remain universal so anyway uh, yes, genre considerations. One must read these things properly. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, um, well, now that we've said all that, um, sh shall we? Shall we talk about the book? Maybe that might Maybe. be a good idea. A little bit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So once again, so we read through ten letters, and probably we're not going to get through all of them, but okay. let's let's see if we can get through a couple of them. Um, let's see. So letter. 11 my dear wormwood um let's see so letter 11 uh maybe i'll i'll, I'll pitch this one to you a little bit uh so letter 11 okay. was, was on humor so yes. what's your what's your comments on humor okay one of my favorite parts was when so he divides humor into four categories um joy fun the joke proper and flippancy. And I really liked how he described fun as like an emotional sort of froth. I just thought that was <laughs> really, that was such a great description for it. Um, isn't it just, yeah, just okay. thinking of it as like, Oh, that reminds um, me. Okay. Here's my nerd <laughs> reference for the day. Okay. So there's this one point in star Trek, deep space nine where mm -hmm. quark, the, cantankerous you know greedy miserly bartender he's giving his his nephew this awful human beverage a root beer and he's like oh, it's so bubbling and cloying and happy 
Oh. <laughs> it's an emotional sort of fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I loved that. Um, and like, then he kind of dives in more about, you know, the how how joy and fun really aren't worth much for them. But, you know, the joke and flippancy can be really useful because, um, you know, you can make almost anything a joke. And if you can make it a joke, you know, it's funny and, you know, it can... Even if it hurts somebody, people admire you for making a joke and things like that. So I don't know. I just I thought it was really interesting how um, he talks about using humor to hurt people while other people look, you know, look on it as like, oh, this is great. You know, you're just a funny guy. Your jokes don't, you know, don't hurt. It's just a joke. And I... I think it hit for me a little bit harder because like I've I've been in situations where I've seen jokes like this, you know. Um we um there was there was a time where um my son would elope, which is very common in autism. You know, they'll run off with no care for danger or other people. And so when we were in really busy places, especially with elderly people, we would use um like a wrist strap between the two of us so that if he got away or didn't want to hold my hand, he wasn't going to run into somebody else. And I actually had this man who we, like I knew him, but not very well, who made a comment to me one day about how um, my kid would probably like to not be on his dog leash. And like he said it as a joke, you know, he's trying to be funny. He's trying to connect. And like, I understand that, but like, those things do hurt people, you know, and it's just really interesting how, you know, you can use this to, you know, to explain away any comment you want, but maybe you shouldn't say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate that example. And it's, it's bringing to mind times when, you know, you know, growing up, and you know having to figure out like you know sexuality and gender and like you know how do i fit in with the world and everything and uh you know being in, in say like a youth group setting where you know they're all like making gay jokes or they're mm -hmm. all like you know making fat jokes mm -hmm. or uh they're you know th you know things like that um and like you get a sense for like okay um you're completely ripping on this kind of person you know yeah, and you're 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 making lots of jokes about this. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no way I'm gonna try to have a serious conversation with you about this, mm -hmm. like at all, ever, never, mm -hmm. ever, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, that's the power of humor. Yep. Is it alienates uh, really well? I don't know. It, it like I imagine, like for the people making the jokes, there's something very connective about that. Mm -hmm. humor and language can be connective, but it's it's a very costly sort of connection because it really severely alienates like a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'd say one of the things I've noticed a lot among especially Christian men, I think, is they make a lot. I, I've noticed a lot of jokes like about other guys needing to be really tough and stuff like that. And like, I don't know. I know a lot of guys, you know, who are emotional and, you know, wouldn't be characterized as tough, but they're they're still really great and stand up guys and they don't need to be tough, you know, but those jokes made to those guys or made to their wives, you know, it alienates them and it's 
saying, well, you're not somebody I'm going to be able to be friends with. You know, I'm not going to be able to talk to you about what's going on. Or, and that's yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's this other corner of it where, uh, and I definitely do this, where I will use humor to divert people mm -hmm. from actually seeing me. Or uh, like I make, I'll make a joke instead of talking about feelings. Mm -hmm. Or... It, yeah, so so it becomes very much this defense mechanism, and um, yeah, I def I definitely do that. So 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 for me to to my my reflex to to flip and flip eyes <laughs> to make things flippant, <laughs> uh, it's it's very definitely me being like evasive and mm -hmm. uh, probably you know not necessarily like trying to like keep secrets from people, but just like uh, I'm not wanting to fully connect with you or fully connect yeah. with the moment. So mm -hmm. yeah, yep. Cool. Well, that that's less letter eleven. They thank you for some some thoughts there. Yes. Uh, and so y'all be, be be careful with your jokes. Um, yes. Uh, so letter twelve. Um, so none of, none of these actually have have chapter titles, but in in my notes, I, I titled this one the the subtle road to hell. And um, yeah. I, I really appreciated this one because he's talking, uh, so here, Screwtape describes the safest road to hell as the one that the patient does not notice he is taking. Mm -hmm. And he talks about, he doesn't need the patient to be terribly wicked, uh, just a little wicked and very distracted. Yeah. Uh, and he would say, better a sense of dim uneasiness than an explicit repentance of a definite fully recognized sin. And uh, this I feel like is really valuable. Uh, Yes, it was reminding me a lot of uh, when we do a lot of recovery work, where we're talking a lot about trajectory, and there's a lot of the, there's a lot of times where once a person starts to get into sobriety, they they learn some skills and they they know they get a clear sense of like, well, here's how my addiction will destroy my life, and and I really actively don't want to do that. I really actively mm -hmm. do want to be a better person, and so it's like saying, well, there's there's the cliff of relapse. It's a hundred steps away. I'm safe. A hundred steps away, I'm pretty safe, and and that's great. Um, and it's very unlikely that I'm just all of a sudden going to sprint a hundred steps to relapse for no reason. Like mm -hmm. that, that, that just doesn't happen. What does happen is I take one step. Yep. And then like a few weeks, few months later, I take another step or maybe like I get kind of stressed and I take like, you know, three or four steps, mm -hmm. um, or something, or maybe like in the time of extreme stress, I take like, like 20 steps, but I only take like 15 back when I, when I try to repair things. Uh, and so it's in that way that, you know, relapse is this very cumulative effect. And, and if we're not careful, it will feel surprising, but it will only feel surprising because we haven't been paying attention. And here's where like in recovery circles, we, we use the language of rigorous honesty as a really core need. And that can look like, uh, you know, people show up in meetings and their their goal is to be rigorously honest about like, well, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling. Here are using thoughts that I'm entertaining that uh, here's resentments that I'm holding on to uh, in, in a similar practice in, in orthodoxy. You know, we have the, the sacrament of confession and it's uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen there. But uh, one of the things is we were developing this practice of like we get honest, we get really blatantly ugly honest with uh with with this one person you know, maybe you go to like you know uh, a handful of different priests over the course of your life mm -hmm. um and uh and and, and screw tapes onto something here he's saying so so people who do that people who 
are really brilliantly honest about specific things and like the full impact of specific things uh there are a spiritual danger to us because like when when you have a specific idea of something specific that you're doing wrong you, you can make specific changes and mm -hmm. and avoid avoid the subtle road to hell yeah. it's when you're not really taking it seriously or not really inquiring within yourself or like not really being honest with yourself much less with others that you start to slip and then yeah. you know you you, you know uh yeah. you know screw tips whole deal is like yeah and like at some point they're just gonna like you know suddenly wake up in hell and then we're gonna be so delighted and ha 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 um all yeah. that to say yes yeah no um i think one of the the things we tend to do as christians is we look at what we what we are doing like at church i'm going to church i'm participating in the bible study i am leading the sunday school class i am volunteering in the kitchen and we use all of those things to say i'm doing fine when we're ignoring what's going on internally and i think it's really cool that in orthodoxy you do have like a confession type situation because in other denominations you know we don't and i think it just you know we're not as honest sometimes we're not honest with ourselves because we're not we don't have anyone else that we have to be honest with you know it's very easy to you know feel that little niggling thought in the back of your head that says oh i'm i'm not doing that right i haven't been i haven't been you know praying i haven't been talking to god you know or whatever and to just kind of ignore it because well but i did this and i did this it's so so slippery it is yeah or maybe like kind of seeing how these two you know you know, mix and mingle you might say like oh yeah like i'm going to church like who cares the kind of humor that i use uh, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it, we, so yeah it's it's very subtle and uh yeah. i think one one of the takeaways I, I can apply to myself is uh remembering like every like everything actually matters like mm -hmm. uh i think that's that's part of uh what screw tape is advising wormwood is he's like try 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 to make the patient think that like you know these um uh may, you know may make him think like all of his choices are trivial and revocable mm -hmm. uh you know he must not be allowed to suspect that he is now however slowly heading right away from the sun on a line which will carry him into the cold and dark of utmost space mm -hmm. um you know but there there are the reality is there are no neutral moments and no neutral yeah. actions and so if, if i can pay attention to that you know everything is a step on a trajectory one way or the other so yeah no they they had they made he made a comment about how it's not about getting people to do bad things. It's about getting them to do nothing and to yeah. just stand still. And I think we so often think that if if we just don't interact, if we don't, you know, I'm not making a stand, I'm not putting my opinion out there. I'm just I'm just staying put. We think it's fine, you know. I'm doing nothing. I'm okay. But it's the doing nothing that, you know, that's actually the problem sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it gets to be really, really subtle. So, mm. dun, dun, dun. Okay. Letter 13. Um, what are your thoughts here about okay. letter 13? So, letter 13, the, um, the patient repented and refocused on God. So, Screwtape um, 
is giving Wormwood a list of all the things he did wrong, which is kind of, <laughs> it's just like that typical, like, okay, this and this and this, and this you're just messed up bad. <laughs> um, and he talks about how he made the mistake of letting the patients read a book he really, truly enjoyed and go on a walk um, instead of like the targeted like pleasures that Wormwood was giving before. And, you know, we were re-emphasizing the whole do nothing thing um, that was in the first one where he says, uh, he says, let him do anything but act. Like, let him acknowledge this, but don't let him act on it because this is going to be a problem. And like, I think the thing I've really got out of this is that self-care is really important. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah doing those little things, reading that book you really want to read, even if it's not what you're supposed to be doing right now, or, you know, taking that walk. It's, you know, it's really important. It gives you a chance to think. It gives you a chance to evaluate. Um, so much of our lives we spend, you know, just bouncing from one thing to the next and not really taking the time to think about how we're doing and what we're feeling and like what life is looking like and if we're actually doing well and if you take the quiet time to focus on you know yourself a little bit it's also easier i think to focus on god yeah yeah definitely a plug for for, for good self-care uh caring for yourself <laughs> uh, also that you know valuing the, the organism like it's important our, our bodies matter our bodies are important and so you know something like you know in this case he's going for a walk but we could you say that's representative of you know you know movement in general uh nutrition in general uh caring for the physical self as if it is actually sacred which mm -hmm. we believe it actually is um and i, I was i was I, I really i was really struck by this one too i'm just thinking there's there's an aspect of the Christian life that is that is joy. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, suffering is also really, really vital also, but also also joy and finding joy in the moment. And and part of the thing is um, and, and there's a couple other places where which Guru Tape talks a lot about, you know, you know, get your patient out of the present moment, you know, especially, mm -hmm. you know, get him into the future, into the undetermined, yeah. un, un, undetermined future. Um, but, but in this one, you know, Wormwood's error is to allow the patient to be really present in one yeah. moment and mm -hmm. in something really real. And there's something about like when you are really, truly present, there is something really enjoyable about that. Mm -hmm. uh, just like I'm enjoying a story for the sake of enjoying it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'm being out in nature and, and, I'm, and I'm connected to myself. I'm connected to the world. And it's that connection um so much of you know screw tips other advice is like how do i get this how do you you know wormwood disconnect this patient from his body from his community mm -hmm. from his values from like everything about his racing thoughts uh and that that's where you've got control of him but but here like you know like the patient like you know is like actually like in himself in nature in his enjoyment and there's there's something really safe about that so uh, you know, not to say that the Christian life is all about pleasure and walks and, you know, you know self-care, because there are times when suffering is really important also, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah. Um, there's a yeah. lot of growth and suffering, but there yeah. should be some joy too. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a great line from Screwtape. He's t telling Wormwood, 
Yeah, so so t- t- talking about God, he's like, remember always that he really likes the little vermin and sets an absurd value in the distinctness of every one of them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yes. God loves us and he'd love us to enjoy his creation. Who knew? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So, so 14. yes, letter 14. Um, I have brief notes about this one. This one was good. Yes. So uh, something about humility. Uh, humility, where you would say, is the key to the Christian life. It's been called the, the only virtue that the devil cannot duplicate. Uh, and so here, um, what does he say? Okay. He says, the most alarming thing, he said, dear Wormwood, the most alarming thing in your last account of the patient is that he's making none of those confident resolutions which marked his original conversion. No more lavish promises of perpetual virtue, I gather, not even the expectation of an endowment of grace for life, but only a hope for the daily and hourly pittance to meet the daily and hourly temptation. This is very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a... Um, and it actually kind of reminded me of summer camp a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, my my experience of going to summer camp as as a you know teenager in high school, you know, being you know, being in youth group and wanting to be this kids counselor was you go to summer camp and it's exhausting and it's fun and there's mm-hmm. all of these special moments with people and like late night, you know, worship songs around the campfire and everybody is just like praise Jesus and we love it and we love it and you know baptism sometimes and in between really violent games mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah. depending um mm-hmm. so many eggs <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yes um but char- characteristic and, le- and legendary uh to this sort of experience is like like the camp high and the resolutions mm-hmm. and the like you know i'm you know i've decided to follow jesus you know no turning back no turning back and that last you know depend depending on the kid it could last like a few days few weeks few months sometimes uh you know maybe uh, this was this was my experience it was very much kind of like stringing my secu- my stringing my security stringing my spirituality along from like summer camp to summer camp to winter mm-hmm. camp to summer camp and like if i could just like be in that camp high like often enough i i could be fine mm-hmm. you know um and uh and i've come to realize like that that wasn't really spirituality that was basically addiction <laughs> i was like i'm after these highs and i'm not using drugs so mm-hmm. Um, so what I think, uh, screw tape and one are talking about is, um, if, if the patient were in this mentality of, I'm going to just make these grand promises, these grand resolutions, these, you know, really firm resolves, you know, kind of calls to mind, like, like new year's resolutions a little bit, mm-hmm. or this idea that, um, you, you see this in some recovery circles also, you know, someone gets clean and they have this super moment of clarity where they're like, ah, drugs are bad. I'm destroying my life. I want to be a better person. I'm going to quit everything forever. And I'm going to go to meetings every day. And I'm going to do all of these things. And I'm going to read the books <laughs> and I'm going to work out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, mm-hmm. we call it acting in and we, and we say it's not recovery. It's not sobriety. It's just the inverse of what you were before mm-hmm. because it's not sustainable. And, no. uh, so it, it sounds like, <clears throat> um, what the patient does is he slows down. And he chills mm-hmm. out 
and he he stops making these big promises and he's just uh, it seems like the patient has has found his way to you know, kind of being like you know you know lord give us this day our daily bread like that sort of mentality mm-hmm. like just give me enough grace to face today to do one day at a time one moment at a time and when screw tape sees this he freaks out and he's like what am I, what are you doing yeah failing uh so anyway mm-hmm. yeah no um the new year's resolutions is what i thought of too um with how we make these grand promises like i'm gonna do this for a whole year and we stop we fail because it's usually too much um i actually hate making resolutions for that reason um the last time i did was to write in a journal and i think i set pretty good rules because it wasn't uh it was just to write at all (laughs) and i succeeded (laughs) because there was no like it wasn't that intense and i think that's what they're saying here you know the patients decided not to be as intense about it and to, you know, he's realized the difference from when he first became a Christian and he tried to do all these grand things and he failed. Right. And so he's like, well, I guess that didn't work. Let's make this achievable. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite kind of goal is a short achievable goal. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of the church fathers will talk about this too, especially when, when people are learning to pray you know, they're very much like, you know, five minutes, no more. Or mm-hmm. like, say the Jesus prayer 12 times, no more. And it's like a one-line prayer. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the idea is like, it, need, it needs to be sustainable. And, yeah. and, and you know, as soon as we start doing these big things and big accomplishments, that is room for, for pride. And you say like, mm-hmm. hey, like, look at all of these things that I'm doing. I'm super cool. I'm super spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, and so then, so then screw types advice here. He's like, you know, uh, I see only one thing to do at the moment. Your patient has become humble. Have you drawn his attention to the fact? Yeah. Uh, so, and so we get, we get a sense of like this idea of like false humility or, uh, starting to make humility a thing. Uh, and I, I saw this quote and I forget who said it. It was one of the, one of the saints he was talking about like humility is a really tricky virtue because as soon as you've gotten it, you lose it. Because like mm-hmm. you like like as soon as you recognize yeah. it, you you've lost it in a way, uh, and so there there's kind of this way that like the, the safe course is uh, a a version of like kind of like self forgetfulness. Like you do a good thing and forget it. Like you do a bad thing, quickly repent, and then kind of mm-hmm. forget it and you move on. Uh, and you don't try to do super grand things all of the time. You just try to like kind of gently mm-hmm. do little things consistently. Um, and that's really ordinary. It's really boring. It's not at all Instagrammable. Uh, but like, that's, that's a, that's a good solid approach to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the thing with humility, there's such a balance between being actually humble and thinking poorly of yourself. And right. it's a very hard line to see sometimes because you could be so focused on, I want to be humble that you just you're putting yourself down all the time. And I think that was kind of one of the things he was, he was saying either make him think really highly of himself for being humble or make him think really low of himself. Yeah. But because in either case, he's thinking about himself Mm -hmm. and not on the presence of God or not on the heavenly kingdom or, or not on 
the needs of others or anything. So, mm -hmm. yes. So, yeah. So, so there's this balance. So, like on the one hand, we we ought to be like kind of like self forgetful and like not thinking about ourselves. But on the other hand, something like taking care of ourselves, like like you know, going for the walk, reading the good book, being being present in ourselves, can can also be a good thing too. And so, so that you know, in that way. There is this very delicate balance of, of virtue and, and practice here that, that we have to consider, and you know, lot, yeah. lots of strings to pull. Easy for easy for the the demons to to get at us. So, for reals. Yes. So, um, do you have time for uh, another? Maybe another one or two? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, letter letter fifteen. Fifteen. Yes. Um, this one is the one that's focused on time and, you know, you referenced the future before. So it's talking about how, um, the enemy wants, wants us to be focused on the present and eternity. Um, whereas, um, screw tape wants you to be focused on the future. And the reason is if you are focused in the here and now, just like in the last letter, you know, you're living daily, you know, you're probably it's it's more achievable right and if you're focused on the eternity you're focused on what i do in this day-to-day -day will get me to where i want to be in eternity but if you are focused on the future you bring in all those little insecurities and all those anxieties of like what's going to happen you know um, I think there was a lot of this with with COVID, um, like when people at first, especially at first, where you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, everything was changing, all the information here and there. And so there's just a lot of anxiety about that. Um, so I, this was such a good one. I think one of the things it brought up for me was like politics in like church and how we respond to politics. Um, because, you know, if you look after, after a, an election, whether that be school board, president, whatever, there's this devastation in the church and it doesn't matter, you know, what side you're on. If you're a Democrat, you know, or a Republican, you, you end up devastated and we shouldn't be that upset, right? You know, it shouldn't be something that, you know, we're so focused on how this person's going to do in the future, because we're hoping for eternity and God can use whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, in the divine liturgy every Sunday, there's this uh, one, one part like early on in the liturgy and I believe it's quoting a Psalm and I don't know which one, uh, Orthodox fail. Um, but it's, <laughs> you know, put not your trust in princes and sons of men. Um, you know, you mm -hmm. know, their 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 plans perish uh, mm -hmm. uh and yeah so what, what you said <laughs> politics yeah. uh does doesn't save us yeah mm -hmm. uh, yeah for I, I i i love this uh from a spiritual standpoint but also from a, a counseling standpoint too like um there yeah when we talk about being mindful and being present um you know taking one day at a time like that that's that's the manageable chunk or that's the reality like what, what's going on right now is what i can actually work with what i can actually affect and mm -hmm. um and I, and I like how he mentions how we we can get stuck in the past and i think that might be 
part of what the depression experience is. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. full of regret. I'm full of resentment. I'm full of unresolved grief and things like mm -hmm. things, which is really real. And it's very easy to get get stuck there. And there's there's a lot of work to do to come out of the past into the present and a lot of past things that need to be healed. Um, but, but I get it. I, I was really resonating with this idea of and as powerful as that is, it's so much more powerful when they get caught up in like the uncertainty of the future and the anxiety yeah. and the doom and gloom. And given the chaos of the world, I mean, it's a very fertile ground for mm -hmm. for exploitation and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I'm essentially re-saying the thing that he said because it's it's so yeah. good and so worthwhile. But like, you it know, lo looking to the future causes stress. Um, often maybe because we're not looking far enough you know looking mm -hmm. out of time into eternity um is is much more grounding much more comforting so mm -hmm. yeah uh and uh, um procedural note there so when we talk about where we're um where we're thinking about um in in a lot of counseling terms we'll talk about our focus or talking about our awareness or like to use terms like like the focal point of our awareness or the the, the point of focus or in in orthodoxy we'll talk about the door of your mind but it's the thing you're thinking about right now and it's the place where your focus and your attention is right now and that could be a particular thought it could be a body sensation it could be something like the painting behind me or something um but uh, a a really good discipline is learning how to train your focus to go where you want it to. And that is essentially what mindfulness disciplines are. And um, a lot of a lot of what happens in a counseling session is, is learning to work with your awareness and to 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 master that. Uh, and so I mean, and then nothing super complicated about that. It's just like it's it's a muscle that we we can learn to use and become better at um but once we learn how to use it the the applications are endless and, and they're really wonderful there mm -hmm. so cool all right um so last letter for today <clears throat> um hey we're six for six <laughs> so far <laughs> hey um, that's good yeah uh so letter six letter 16 is about uh church shopping um, I loved this. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was really good. Um, so, so, so basically, Wor uh, Wor um, Screwtape finds out that Wormwood has let his patient like stay at the same church the whole time. And again, he flips out and he's like, what, what are you doing? Uh, may I ask what you are about? <laughs> and everything. Um, so, uh, so, the, so the idea is he, you know, Screwtape has a sense for if his patient can remain rooted in one place he's much more spiritually secure and if he's able to um and then c.s lewis got very smart here so it, i had to like, think a little bit about what, what he's talking about but, but i think he's talking about if um c.s lewis is very smart yes. uh, <laughs> so there's a there's 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 a way of like rejecting something that is truly harmful that that, that is good mm -hmm. um but there's also a way of thinking about thinking a lot about the thing that you're rejecting that gets very really bad so mm -hmm. so you kind of get the sense for well if like this church is teaching false doctrine we should reject that mm -hmm. or if they're just like outright toxic we should reject that and move on and just just move on and mm -hmm. just kind of cleanly gently be done with it um and, and that would be okay 
Um, but I think what Screwtape is wanting is for his patient to just like be like obsessing over the complaints. Um, yeah. Like earlier in the letter, she was talking about like, oh, like the greasy grocer and the fat lady and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the person who chews too loud, like have them like focus on those details and just like be critical of them and, um, and, and things like that. And so, so, so there's that attitude there. Uh, and, and he, cause he doesn't want the patient to be content in one place or rooted in one place or able to like experience the benefits of rooting in the community long-term, like people mm -hmm. who know you, people who love you, people you can rely on, people you can trust. Um, people who will check in with you yeah. and say, Hey, where are you at? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, so he recommends a couple other churches, uh, one that has a very watered down, like, relevant approach to everything to where you know and they, and they can imagine this being like one of those churches where like they kind of have like like the vague form of a church and like they you know, maybe like kind of reference the bible but like they, they, it's this really vague version of the gospel if the gospel is even there and then this other other church that i would imagine probably has like a little bit more you know like like clear theology or maybe even like more active like interaction mm -hmm. with the, the biblical text but it's it's very much like a faction and it's very much like an angry church or very much like a, a pastor that's just like really radical really opinionated really driven by hate mm -hmm. um and, and everything and so um the you know uh the the other kind of extreme and it's mm -hmm. likes both of those being because they're 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 going to be extremes in a way yeah. um so uh so takeaways uh i guess you know, you know takeaway for, for for people in church um to you know, kind of remember so 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 the gospel itself is really interesting really compelling really challenging and offensive like all by itself it, it doesn't need your personality layered over it to make it anything like it will do its work on its own um and it's where we try to make a church about our human personalities that we become really vulnerable to hitting these extremes mm -hmm. and uh and everything um and so and i guess the 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 takeaway for me to think about um it's this age-old question for me like when a church community is challenging like when like parish life <laughs> at my parish is challenging which often it is um here we, we we have we have a good amount of drama uh you know my my impulse is always like well i'm gonna go to holy apostles across the river because they're better than we are <laughs> so or they don't have these problems and i'm just gonna run away mm -hmm. uh, and uh and again sometimes we need to do that so i i think but i, I i'm, I'm kind of getting the sense for those, those times are probably much more rare than we think we are than we think and probably there's much more spiritual benefit more of the time to sticking it out working through the drama working through the chaos and reconciling with people and learning to not be so critical and you know of for being honest trying to recognize well how do i contribute to the drama because mm -hmm. i i surely contribute to the drama um you know i contribute more drama than anybody look at how, <laughs> <laughs> look at how yeah. not humble i am uh yeah. so no as a as a pastor's wife i've seen a lot of people leave church over the years you know um and i think the thing to really consider when you're leaving when you're trying to decide do i need to go to a new church is is this a preference or is this a really good reason to leave you know i there is one church that we we worked at for a while and we were losing we lost several people to another church just down the road 
And the reason was the music. They just liked the music there better, which is completely a legitimate opinion. You know, you can totally have a preference. Um, but like what what was the lead up to that? You know, did you did you take any action in your own church? Did you say, you know, well, I don't like our songs. Um, maybe I need to join the worship team and I can see what's, you know, I can I can try to bring in some new things as a person who's volunteering or maybe, you know, have a talk with the worship director and say, hey, why do we choose the songs we do? You know, why is this our style? You know, maybe it's that, you know, the worship director doesn't know how to play the guitar. And so he only has the piano. You know, you just don't know. So I think there's something to be said for trying to talk to somebody, trying to see if you can join in and bring some of what you're looking for. And then just understanding sometimes it's a preference and it may not be it may not be some a good reason to leave, you know. And now there are definitely times where you get to the point where you like you're like I've joined the team. I've talked to everybody and it's just not working. And that's okay and move on. But like at least you did something. And like the same thing with like if you're having trouble with somebody in church, if you're having a disagreement, is that you know, there's definitely times where you shouldn't engage anymore. But have you tried, you know, we're supposed to as Christians try to resolve conflict and talk to each other and do those things. So we should ideally go to that person and say, hey, you know, I'm having trouble with this. Can we talk about it? Because, you know, just leaving your church, you're not just leaving that one issue. You're leaving all these people that supposedly you've built up relationships with and, you know, who've been supporting you in your faith and they've been supporting, you know, you're supporting them and so it's it's you're breaking a lot more you're losing a lot more bridges and a lot more connections when you yeah. make that choice and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a flippant one or you know it needs to have some weight to it yeah yeah should be carefully thought out um and yeah done 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 with great deliberation um mm -hmm. So I imagine, I mean, this is like a tangent we can't go down, but like, like just, you know, relationships also, like mm -hmm. my relationship is difficult. Should I leave <laughs> or whatever? Uh, and, and I imagine like a lot of the same principles are are play there as well. Um, but that's, uh, that that's a box we don't have time to touch today. <laughs> so, but, mm -hmm. but I, but I appreciate that. I mean, I appreciate, uh, you know, your perspective having been, you know, on having been in the active ministry team and, mm -hmm. And having to to care for people who are having to make these decisions it's they're not light decisions by any means no but they're they're still they're still important decisions i know one of the things one of the things that um jared always wants when somebody goes to a new church is for them to let him know like you know don't don't just leave your church but say hey you know i'm i'm making the choice to go to a different church here's why, you know, just that, that means when you leave, at least, at least the people you're leaving behind know you're being cared for, you know, you're going somewhere else, you're going to be taken care of. I don't know. That's one of the things he likes. Yeah. The communication. Yeah. I appreciate that too. Even in my, my men's groups, uh, you know, when, when it's, it's, it's a rare and wonderful thing when someone will like actually voice a complaint in group and we can address it. Or when people like will say goodbye before they leave, um, 
it's it's very easy to think to just like slink away. We don't have to take any responsibility for ourselves or our feelings or learn or grow at all. We just disappear and mm -hmm. then we don't grow. Mm -hmm. So, well, there's our merry romp through the mind of hell this morning <laughs> on a yes. Monday in January. Uh, so we will wrap it there for time's sake, but we mm -hmm. will come back at least one more time. Um, there's 13 more letters and we're going to, we're going to come back at least one more time to talk to those and what the content is and see, you know, just what, what does happen to this patient after all. Yes. Um, so, um, in the meanwhile, if you want to connect with Stephanie, mm -hmm. is it bennettsedits.com? Bennettsedits.com. Yes. Bennettsedits.com. Cool, 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 cool. Yes. For all your editing needs. Yep. And, uh, it's a really wonderful experience to work with an editor and Stephanie is a great one. So y'all should check her out there and you can support podcast here if this kind of thing is valuable to you uh you can go to patreon.com slash outer circle and send us a few dollars a month and that would be really valuable otherwise you can follow me on instagram at moses Burnabe and follow us on youtube and uh you know do the whole thing where you like rate and review the podcast as all good podcast listeners should do and you should feel very guilty if you don't do it <laughs> just kidding no guilt at all uh guilt is not healthy anyway <laughs> okay we should be done uh we'll, <laughs> we'll see you all next time in about two weeks and hope you all have a wonderful warm couple of weeks in the meantime so goodbye Journey is a podcast by Moses Bernabe. If you like what you hear, consider supporting the show with dollars, reviews, or shares, or all of the above. Word and Journey can be found on most major podcast platforms and on my author Patreon at patreon.com slash Moses Bernabe. Moses Bernabe can be found at MosesBernabe.com. Contact info for my most excellent co-hosts can be found in the liner notes. The podcast logo was designed by TJ Todd with additional development by Moses Burnaby. 
The theme music is by Aaron Esparza. Thanks for listening and see you next time.